So happy to see you guys. Um, <clears throat> whew, what a day. Uh, happy Sunday. Um, good to see you guys this Sunday. Just as a quick reminder, um, Campfire Nights is this Friday uh, from 7 to 8. From 7 to 8, Campfire Nights. And for those who don't know what Campfire Nights are, it is, it's on Fridays. It's for one hour. We come together and share God's story because we just believe that pioneers share in God's story. And so we want to share the testimony with each other. And the, the word that says through that, there is encouragement, there is growth, there is just beauty when we all share a part of God's story with one another. So um, Campfire Nights, uh, this Friday at what time? You guys are listening. I'm so proud of you. Seven, eight, seven, eight. It's one hour. Um, we know some typical churches be like, oh, it's going to be two hours. No, we ain't doing all that. It's one hour. One hour. Get in and out, right? Amen. And so um, let, let, me, let me pray before we get into the word. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for this moment. We don't take it for granted. Um, I'm going to get out the way. You get in the way. Ah. <laughs> uh, this is not about skill. What goes on is not about skill. It's just a filling of the spirit. So have your way in me. Have your way in each and every one of us. And let this, let this word fall on, on a soft heart. In your name. And everyone says, all right, I need you all to talk to me today. I know it's a little quiet. It's been a long week, so I need you all to talk to me. Welcome to a church where you, that you participate in. No gold stars are going out, but you get to participate. Amen. Look at that. God is faithful. There you go. Um, I just got back from New York <clears throat> yesterday. Um, I hadn't been in New York for two and a half years. And in the two and a half years that I hadn't been there, New York is just so different. It's so different than when I moved there from 10 years ago. Um, buildings are up, different kind of people in different neighborhoods. There's a lot of changing going on. And it was almost overwhelming because the city in which I grew up in was very, very different. And I didn't understand her. There were two things that were the same. There are two things that were the same. Where my parents live and the smell. Um, those are the two most consistent things in New York is, is where my parents live and the smell. Always, there's a certain pungent in the New York air that it's just like, I'm home, you know? Um, and so it, it didn't change, but the home I grew up in where my parents live, uh, that, they're still there. They still live there, and they've been living there for however many years. Um, and my parents' house is, is I, know, I know how to get there. No matter how the city was changing, I know how to get to my parents' house. No matter the people, the, 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 the skyline was changing, I know how to get to my parents' house. I know what to expect at my parents' house. It's going to be hot all the time. It's always, they, so it's an old house. They didn't have central air, so let that bake your noodle. I know that I'm welcomed. I know that I'm safe. Literally, there's bars on my window. <laughs> I know that I'm safe in my house in New York. And no matter how much New York changes, as long as my parents own their home and that building on Beverly Road, I can call that place home. The title of this message is, I Thought I Could Change Him. 
I thought I could change them. You can write that down. It's okay to write things down or put it in your notes. I believe a lot of us saints, a lot of us believers are struggling with God because we want him to change in, with the times. But the thing is, he can't. We want God to change with the times. God, this is cool. You should be down with it. God, this is not accepted. You should be down with it. Why can't you change? It's because it's not in his nature to change. See, things change typically when it goes from bad to good or worse to good or bad. There's no change in him because he's holy all the time. And the thing is, we want him to change so bad, but the moment we change our thoughts and our view of God is the moment we've created an idol. Congratulations, you've entered the rest of the world in serving a God only you can reach. Oh yeah, I'm coming for y'all today. We want to bend God to our outlook of him and not the Bible's. And so you have to understand, when we try to change and manipulate God and we change how how the people view God, we no longer have a home in God. You see, every time I go back to New York, everything can change in, in New York. Everything can change. The skyline can change. The people can change. My neighbors have changed. They're, my neighbors have definitely changed. They drink now like, They drink artisan coffee, artisanal coffee, like that's weird. Everything can change, but as long as my parents are there, that is my home. And see, the thing is, everything in this world will change. It will always be changing, and there will always be something new. But the thing I could always bounce off against is God is the same. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. And I could put, I could make God my home. I could feel safe in there. There's, there's resources for me in there. He will never change. He stays the same. But the thing is, we want him to change because how many of us read this Bible and we go, I wish I didn't read that. I hate that that's in there. If you want to edit the Bible, go read another version of it. They're out there. But that's not the same God. You'll get the God that you want if you look for it. If the word that is preached does not line up with the spirit of the word of the Bible, it is false and should be dispelled with. We live in a time where we like to hear things that tickle our ears and it sounds good. Oh, it sounds good. They got a big crowd. Yeah, that doesn't matter because God looks at the heart. It doesn't matter the size of the church. It doesn't matter the size of the crowd. It doesn't matter what building they have. It's like, are they preaching the gospel? Are they preaching the word that is here to restore, that is a clanging symbol to the world but brings joy to the, to the sinner? Is that the gospel that they're preaching? Things change so fast. Things change so fast. And things are now are more accepted now than, than, than ever, and we're supposed to accept it. And if you don't accept it, then you're, you're, you're a bigot or you're not up with the times. And it's just like, well, I know I found my home in God, but I don't have to accept that. Like, I, I could be okay with just being like, hey, if that works for you, that's, that's okay. But my God, the same God who saved me from whatever addictions I have, is the same God that can change you. See, I believe three unchanging things about God. I want you guys to write this down. These are three unchanging things about God. God is light, right? In him there is no darkness. We see that in the scriptures. God is love, right? And God is spirit. God is light, God is love, God is spirit. God 
is immutable. The definition of immutable is unchanging over time or unable to be changed. God is not comprised of parts that need changing. He exists outside of time so much so that he sees the beginning and the end of time at the same time and doesn't get overwhelmed. We run, we run late for we run late to go to work for 10 minutes and already we're running out the house with half a cup of coffee, one shoe on and your hair a mess. God sees time at the same time. Our life is but a vapor. God is unchanging. Man, we are mutable. Mutable means liable to change. And I'm not here to say change is bad. Change is good. The thing is, it's impossible for God to change. But with man, it's impossible to escape change. We can't escape change. Because we live in the time frame, in, in, in the confines of time, we have to change. Change is good. Some of you guys are in this room because there was a change. Some people are not in this room because there was a change. We can't escape change. In change is growth. There's maturity. There's understanding. There's progress, right? Imagine... If it, we never progressed after fire, after man created fire, we'd still be doing that stuff. So change is good. The problem that comes in is that we apply this concept and, and time frame of change to God. No, no, no. He says, I, I change not. You change. I don't change. I stay the same. Because you have to understand, whenever there's a change, that means there's, whenever we have to change, that means because we're, we're moving from a deficiency. In God, there is no deficiency. He never lacked anything. He was always holy. He's the beginning and the end. He's always righteousness. He was always love. He was always light. He was always spirit. In him, he didn't need to adjust or change in that at all. His mind and his thoughts never change about you. Thank God that his mind and his thoughts never changed about me. We change our thoughts on, on, the, on the daily progression of ourselves. I had a good day. I had a bad day. I was really happy. I was really sad. And so we're constantly in flux and we're constantly changing. But yet God wakes up every day and goes, that's my son. I love you. But God, you know what I did? I know. I saw. I still love you, though. What does the Bible say? Even if you made your bed in hell, he says, I'm with you. What can keep me from the love of God? He's like, no angel or demon can keep you from my love. That will never change. Because we exist in time, he calls us to change. What happens when man doesn't change and adapt? What happens? They die. What happens since God has never changed? We got grace. Man changes, if man does not change, if men are stubborn and do not change and adapt, we die. But because God exists outside of time, since he has never changed, we get grace. You see, you have to understand, God uses change as a tool and a test to redeem and restore. God doesn't exist in change, but he uses change 
to bring us closer to him. How do I know? How do I know? It's like, Pastor, how do you know that? Because salvation isn't only for the Jews. What a change. God saw like, hey, you know what? I intended man to live a certain way, and I know there's a law. So guess what? I'm not going to change the law. I'm just going to insert myself into it. And I'm going to bring those who could never get to me, who are deemed unworthy, I'm going to bring them close to me. God will always use change to draw us to himself. Always. And how you respond to change will determine how he draws you. And you're like, well, I don't feel like God has ever drawn me to himself. Yeah, you have. You've seen your bank account, negative 35, and you're like, Jesus, I need you right now more than ever. If you're a parent and you are raising yourself, Jesus, I, will, I, I feel like I'm about to punt this child. I need you more than ever. If you're an adult and you're, sometimes you're raising your own parents, Jesus, let me be patient with them because we change. Change is good. Change is necessary. But change is not for God. It's for us. In the book, The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer, he says, the blood of goats and bulls lost its significance when the blood of the Paschal Lamb was shed. Hallelujah. The law, the altar, the priesthood, all were temporary and subject to change. Now the eternal Lord is, now the eternal law of God is engraven forever on the living, sensitive stuff of which the human soul is composed. The ancient sanctuary is no more, but the new sanctuary, which is you, is eternal in the heavens, and there is a Son of God has his eternal priesthood. Here we see that God uses change as a lowly servant to bless his redeemed household, but he himself is outside the law of mutation and is unaffected by any changes that occur in the universe. We serve an unchanging God. And there are many times in my life when I've read this word and I wanted to change him. I wanted God to be the God of the culture. God, do you care about justice? Do you care about truth? Do you care about what's going on in my world? Do you care that I'm depressed? Do you care that I'm lonely? And he goes, yes, because I am unchanging and I've cared about those things. Guess what? The moment you try and change God, you've changed grace for yourself. The moment you try and change God and make him something palatable and okay with the culture, you've changed grace. Because you're saying grace is enough to cover this sin, but grace is not enough to cover that sin. Aren't we tired of hearing that in the church, right, saints? Aren't we tired of hearing that? I don't care who walks through that door. Grace is enough for them. Because the unchanging God is like grace was enough for you when you needed it. And the thing is, we have a whole world, we have a whole world of people who want to come back into the church, but they are so turned off by the church because we've changed to something that looks like the world instead of, instead of looking like God. We've given up our holiness for relevance. We've given up our uniqueness for common. And God's like, hey, you're a, royal, you're a holy people. You're a royal priesthood. I've set you apart. 
I don't change, and I want you to look like me. So guess what? You will change, but I want you to change to look more and more like me, not look more and more like the world. See, the problem is we live in a world with a bunch of carbon copies. Everyone wants to look like someone else, but no one wants to look like Jesus because he's different. Yeah, you can talk like Jesus, and it's all accepted, but once the moment you start walking like Jesus, you're so stuck up. I'm changing. I'm changing. We're going to look at the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 18. I didn't pick it because it's my name. I just, the Holy Spirit led me here, so I wasn't lazy. Um, Now we see that God had sent the prophet Jeremiah to the people of Israel to be his mouthpiece. Because Israel, listen, there's a lot of people in this world who call themselves prophets and they prophesy. I'm, I'm, I'm a little tentative. Because I only find that prophets and prophecy only comes when I'm not listening. That's the only reason why prophets existed. Because they were a mouthpiece. Because the people of Israel weren't listening. So if someone says, hey, I have a prophecy for you, I get a little nervous because I'm like, dang God, I must not be listening to you. You must, not, you must be trying to tell me something and I am not hearing you. I pray, and I mean this in the most righteous way, a prophet never has to come to Pioneer Church because we're always listening. And I pray that if they do, and if they do say something, it's just like, you're already telling me something I already heard, but thank you for confirming it. That's the reason why God used prophets as a mouthpiece. We're in Jeremiah 18. It says, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop, and I will speak to you there. Go down to the potter's shop. In change, sometimes you have to change your location to hear what God has to tell you. Some of you guys need to get out of your own house and go for a walk. Some of you guys need to get out of your own community and go to another community. You need to move out of your state because God wants you to see something, but you're not going to see it because you're too comfortable in the confines of your own space. So he said, Jeremiah, go. I've got something to show you. Some of you guys are like, God, I haven't seen you. You haven't spoken to me. He's like, because you haven't moved. I told you to go. Go down. I want to show you something. There is, some of you guys are not hearing God because you don't want to be obedient. That's the same thing for me. I'm sorry. That's, well, I'm not really sorry. That's, it is what it is. We want to hear God so much, but we're not being obedient. Like, God's not going to tell you to, hey, I want to, if you're not being obedient, he's, he's, going to, he's going to shut up. I mean, those who are in a relationship, we know that feeling. Like, I tell him to put down the seat every time. So he says in verse 3, so I did as he told me and found the potter working at his wheel. I went to sleep at 12.30 last night reading this, and I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning because the Holy Spirit put this on my heart. Am I a little tired? Not right now. Will I be tired after? Absolutely. But it's interesting that he told him to go down to the potter's house. The interesting thing is that if you look at humans and if you look at clay, we're comprised of the same raw material. Dirt and water. 
I mean, when you break it down, right, what, is the, what does Scripture say? From dust I came to dust I shall return. And the thing is, like, if you're working with clay sometimes, you're probably working with your great-great-great-grandma you don't even know. <laughs> Dirt and water. But isn't it interesting that Jesus would use these same raw materials to heal a blind man? He would use the same raw materials to perform an optical, miraculous surgery. You guys have heard the story. There's a blind man, and he kneels down in front of him. Jesus spits into the ground and makes mud or clay, and he performs a, almost like a surgery that would happen in heaven. He was just like, oh, this was wrong. Let me correct this. Sin messed this up. Let me correct this. So let me make a little clay and fix it. And he goes, hey, go and wash it off. That was so interesting to me. We are these divine dirt clods filled with the Holy Spirit. That's all we are. And you're like, why you call me that? That's all it is. Dirt and water. We're clay. But look at what he says here. It says, but the jar he was making in verse 4 did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay and started over again. Then the Lord gave me this message, O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. If I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is, is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, but then that nation renounces its evil ways, I will not destroy it as I had planned. And if I announce that I will plant and build up a certain nation or kingdom, but then that nation turns to evil and refuses to obey me, I will not bless it as I said I would. The potter sitting there, and it said that the clay didn't work out as he has planned, so he crushed it. In that story, did you notice that the potter never changed anything? The potter didn't change. He didn't walk away from it and say, I'm done with it. The potter didn't say, let me get a new batch of clay to work with. He didn't get another instrument to work with because it said it marred, another translation said it marred in his hands, and so he crushed it. Anyone ever here ever play with Play-Doh? If you don't have kids, it's weird. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I have kids, so I'm constantly playing with Play-Doh. And actually, they use it as a therapeutic thing for some people. It's, a, it's, a, it's a sort of some sort of therapy, just breaking it down and molding it. The potter never changed. And the thing is, the potter never changed of what he was going to make it. Some of us want God, want God to change us so much. We want God to change so much that we don't understand that he doesn't change. The original intention that he has for you is still the intention that he still has for you. Whatever he's called you to, he still call you to. He didn't throw away the clay. He didn't discard the clay. He didn't say he got up and grabbed another piece of clay. He stayed there and he continued to work with it. We live in a cancel culture. 
where if the clay doesn't work out the way we want it to, we throw it away. But thank God for an unchanging God that even though we don't work out the way we think it should go, God is like, I'm still working with you. I'm still molding you. But God, I messed up, I know. But you're in the hands of the potter. You're going to still turn out to what I have you to be. I'm not throwing you to the side. I'm not putting you on the shelf. I'm not canceling a piece of clay. You're still in my hands. I'm still going to work with you. The only God who can do that is an unchanging God. You want to know why? Because he's committed to the outcome. He's committed to you. He's been committed to you from the moment you said yes to him. He's been committed to sitting with you and saying, you know what, it's gonna, I know it may mess up, it didn't work out, but I guess what? I, and see, sometimes we want to glance over this, right? But it says, what does it say? In order for you to become everything that God has for you to be, everything that God has for you, it says he has to crush it again. God's not going to let you be a broken clay pot. He's not going to make you halfway. He's not going to do that. He said, you know, I'm going to break it. I'm going to form it. I'm going to bring it back in. I'm going to break it again. And some of us are so, um, 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 we're so resistant to the breaking. And God is like, if you just let me break you, if you just let me mold you back down, I can make you stronger. My doctor's in here. When a bone breaks, does it get stronger when it, when it heals again? Just give me a yes or no. If not, I'm going to leave this dead in the water and be like, just kidding. But he's like, I'm not going to leave you here, and I'm not going to throw you away. I'm not going to choose another piece of clay. I'm not going to say, uh, this one didn't work out. Let me move on to the next one. He's like, no, I'm going to keep you here in, my, in the hands of the eternal, and I'm going to keep on forming you. And you're going to be a jar. Why am I going to be a jar? Because I want you to be poured out again. And there's so many of us that we resist the breaking. Because we are these little pieces of clay trying to explain to each other what the potter is like. And he's just like, hey, I don't change. I'm the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And the vision that I put in your heart and the plan that I have in your life, it hasn't changed because you feel like you're far from me. I never understood that about us. As these, we, these little creatures, like we're little creatures, we create this sense of, of distance and length and time and because we exist in it. And so we like to apply that to a God who's just like, you're not far from me. You're never that far from me. Did you not see my promise? I'm but a, I'm but a mention away. I'm closer to you than you ever thought. When you just call on me, I'm there. I'm always there for you. Thank God that we have an unchanging God who's willing to be in the midst of our mess. You see, if we worship the zeitgeist, or, or another word for that is the spirit of the age, God should have canceled us a long time ago. And those are the facts. He should have canceled us. From the moment Adam sinned, we should have been canceled. But what does he tell Adam? He's like, because you sinned, I can't keep you in this garden. But I'm going to watch you. I'm going to protect you. I am your God. He told Israel that I am your God. 
Let me be your God. And still today, he's telling you the same thing. I'm not done with you. And some of us are like, well, you should be. And he's like, I don't change like that. I'm not going to switch up on you. I'm going to stay the same. Because we all have some friends <laughs> who've gotten different circles, and then they switch up on you. They, they, they give you a little change up, right? They got a little change in their pocket, and then they're different. Someone got a brand new car, and all of a sudden, they don't want to give any rides anymore. Right? They don't want, don't mess up my car. People change. But God is like, hey, there's, I'm eternal. I'm everlasting. See, what the thing is, is it's like, I was, when I was reading this book and reading the text, everything that is created has a timeline to it. Everything that's created has a timeline to it. This building, you have a timeline. I have a timeline. This building has a timeline. This earth has a timeline. The sun, I know it's hard to conceive, is not everlasting. And I'm not talking about like doomsday theory and all that stuff. That's not what I'm saying. Because it was created, it's not an everlasting source. The only thing that can be everlasting is the thing that exists outside of creation, and that's God. That's the kind of God I want to serve. He's not affected by the confines of time. Chris, if you don't mind coming up, we're going to close. I think, I believe the challenge for us today is that instead of finding ways to change an unchangeable God, I think our paradigm and how we think about God needs to change. We need to see God as an unchangeable God willing to transform you. God, I know you don't change. I know you don't change, and I know I want you to be okay. I want you to be um, um, this kind of God to me, and I want you to be this kind of God to me, and I want you to be, like, I want to see you focus on this, and God is like, I'm already doing all of that. I'm not trying to change to the, to the culture. I don't change the culture. I want you to change. And, I, and the thing is, it's not only that he wants you to change. He's like, I want you to change to look more like me so that you can impact the culture. You want to know the beauty about change when you're walking with God? When you're walking with God, the beauty about change is that you don't look like anybody else but his son. You don't look like anybody else but his son. For some of us, the moment we didn't feel God bend and change to our will, we left the house. And we've been lost ever since. Because we've been trying to find a God that would fit our agenda. You don't think people have created um, idols of little G God? Go check the Democratic and Republican Party. Go check the, the church of evangelicalism on a whole. 
They've created a God who, who doesn't look like this. You want to know why people are frustrated with Christians? It's because they've created an idol. Instead of going to the word and say, God, what does your word say? And guess what? When I don't have words to say, let me understand with love and speak with compassion. It's okay to not know what to say. It's okay. But when we go before an unchanging God and we say, God, what does your word say on it? What do you say on it? I want to hear what you have to say. And sometimes he will tell you exactly what to say. And sometimes he won't say anything. Because he's just like, I don't need you to speak on this issue for me. Let me move. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and this is out of the Amplified Version. He says, it says, And we all with unveiled face, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to an even more degree of glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. Anytime I've heard this one degree of glory to another, they always talk about mountaintop experiences. That's not true. Let me just cast that away from you. That's not what that verse means. One degree of glory is like this big. It's smaller than that. When Paul was writing, the degree of glory was that big. And some of us just want to live in these like, oh, I just want to live in these glory moments. And God is like, no, no, no. I'm unchanging and I don't work fast. I don't work according to your speed. See, you live where you have to move fast. I live where I move at my own speed. So sometimes God is like one degree. We've been speaking about that a couple weeks ago. One degree. Some of us, like, we get saved and we get down on ourselves because we don't look like Jesus tomorrow. And we're so hard on ourselves. Is anyone like that? I know I am. You're so hard. How could I still be struggling with this? How could I still be saying this? Why is that? And, and right here in the Word, he's saying, hey, it's one degree. One degree. One moment of glory to the next. You're going to mess up. You're going to fail. But we serve an unchanging God that even in our failure, his grace abounds. You guys have to understand his attitude towards sin is now the same as it was when he drove the sinful man from the garden. When he drove, God's attitude towards sin is the same of when he drove Adam out of the garden. And his attitude towards the sinner is the same as when he stretched out his hands and says, it is finished. <laughs> it doesn't change. I tried, I tried to change God. I ended up changing. Every time I read this word, I want to change. I don't want to read that verse, and I end up changing. The way God looks at sin when Adam sinned, the way he looks at sin is that he always hated, but the way he looks at the sinner is the way he looked away from his son. He's like, I can't even look at him right now because I love them so much. I love them so much that I want my son to die. 
and that will never change. That's always been the goal. See, you have to understand the goal of God was always to be in the presence of man. It was always to be in the presence and the goal of Jesus, his, the main goal of Jesus, and we've talked about this before, was to draw men back to God, was to create a bridge back to God. The cross wasn't the goal of Christ. That wasn't his main goal. When Jesus came to this earth, that wasn't his goal. The goal of Jesus Christ, what have I said? Is to get the spirit back into man. Because when I get this spirit back into man, they can now be in my presence. We can now be in the presence of an unchanging God. What a story of grace. What a story of mercy. Before I end, I just want to read you guys some lyrics of a song. I'm not going to sing it because I know my skill set. Some of you guys have heard it, but I just love the lyrics. It says, take the world, but give me Jesus. All its joys are but a name, but his love abideth ever through eternal years, eternal years the same. Take the world, but give me Jesus, the sweetest comfort of my soul, with my Savior watching over me. I can sing, though billows roll. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Let me view his constant smile. Then throughout this lifelong journey, he will lead me all the while. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Y'all can have the culture. It's played out anyways. It's exhausting. Y'all can keep it. Keep that. Take the world. Y'all could take cancel culture. Y'all could take your political parties. Take it. Keep it. It never, it never made anyone better. Keep it. Just give me Jesus. And can we say that today, right? Can we say that today? That all these identifiers, my job, who I'm responsible to, can I say, hey, you know what? Keep it. At the end of my life, it's whack. It won't even matter, but give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. He'll be more than enough for me each and every time. Do you guys receive that today? Do you guys stand with me? Holy Spirit, I just thank you for this moment. Thank you for this moment. I don't take it for granted. I don't, I don't. God, forgive me. Forgive me when, I, when I've been caught up with the culture. Forgive me for when I look like the culture. Forgive us for when we've sounded like everything else but you. Thank you for never changing. Thank you for never switching up on us. That the grace and the mercy that you've provided through Jesus Christ is still enough for me today 
Thank you that that's never changed, that there's no varying degree of more grace on a, on a good day and less grace on a bad day. Thank you for being unchanging. Thank you for being home. Listen, there's some of you guys in the room right now, and I could just sense the Spirit just saying this to me like, you think God switched up on you. You think he became more righteous that he became this, like he's this angry God. And no, 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 God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It says that kingdoms and dominions will change. Presidents change. Trends change, but God will never change. And that bothers you a little bit because you're like, well, is this God, is he, is he for today? Yes, he is the God of today. He is the God who understands today. He's the God who understood you when you were broken and you had your addictions. He's the God who understood you when you were depressed and lonely. He was that same God that provided for you when you had nothing and now you have plenty. He's the same God when you felt empty, he filled you up. He's that God. He's the God who sees emptiness and deficiency and says, come to me all who are weary and heavy burden and I will give you rest. You don't have to do anything. You didn't, you didn't have to, like, you don't have to perform. You don't have to do this whole Christian performance. He's an unchanging God. He told Paul, even in your weakness, my grace is sufficient for you. He says, it says, my power is made perfect. Not that it wasn't already perfect, but it doesn't deplete in your weakness. He doesn't run out. We have people and family members who run out of patience for us on a phone call. God is like, my patience never runs out. My love never runs out. My grace never runs out. And that's unchanging. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and I know those who are watching online, you may not be in the room, but this is for you too. If you're in this room and you're saying, God, I, I want to, I need to change to be more like you. I don't want to look like the culture anymore. I don't want to be influenced by the culture anymore. Because they change so quick. One day I could be in and the next day I'm out. But I want to look more and more like you. I want to pray with you. Could you raise your hand? I'm going to raise my hand because I want that prayer for my life. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you guys in the back. Also, if you're in this room and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal God, as your personal Savior, if he's never interrupted your life, could you raise your hand? I want to pray for you as well. Because today is a day of salvation. Not yes, it may not have been yesterday. Because tomorrow's not promised, but today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you can put your hope in Jesus, your anchor who is unchanging. He's immutable. Father, we come before you, Lord God, as passionate believers. We chase after you, God. Lord God, I, I pray a prayer of repentance for everyone who has raised their hand, everyone who's online, who's been maybe typing in the chat and who's watching this. 
Lord God, we repent as a church from when the times when we placed our identity in a changing world, in a changing the God of this age. We put our hope in trends. We put our hope in hashtags and not the holy word. Father, forgive us. Forgive me for when I wanted to change your word to benefit me and to benefit whatever agenda I had. Holy Spirit, I pray that every time we read this word, that every time we, we have a communion with you, that you would speak to us, Lord. And even the things that we don't like to read in the Bible, the things that we hate that are in the Bible, I pray that our spirit submits to it and say, okay, God, Something in my flesh doesn't like this, but I know you've led me to read this. Help us, Father. Help us believers look more and more like Jesus. More than anything in this world. We don't want to look like anyone else. We just want to look like your son. Yeah, looking like Jesus is an unpopular, Lord. We know this. Looking like Jesus is very unpopular. But when we look like him, redemption and restoration happens. Thank you for always changing us. And then one day, we know change won't exist anymore because you'll come back and we'll be in your presence forever and ever and ever and ever. And the whole church said, Amen, amen. You guys may be seated. Seated. Listen, a couple quick announcements before we dismiss. Um, one, please connect with us. I don't know if you checked out our new website. Um, it's up. We're proud of it. It's beautiful. Um, and it's because of God's grace and favor and mercy and our marketing director and people like you who give to be able to afford this. So please check out our new website. Why? It's not like, oh, just check it out. Like, okay, they have a new website. No, that's a place for you to connect, right? That's a place for you to connect. It's a place for you to submit a prayer request. There's a place for that. There's a place for you to see what we're doing, like campfire nights, and stay up to date with that. If you message us, someone, a human, will message you back. It may not be as fast, so you need to work out your own patience with fear and trembling, but we'll message you back. On there, there's a place to give. Listen, I want to tell you when you give, I'm not here to shake down your pockets. That's not what I'm here to do. Some of you guys, I know, some, even myself, I catch myself, ah, oh, they just want your money. No, I don't want your money. God asked for it. <laughs> now, wherever you decide to give it, that's between you and God. I don't want your money. God asked for it. He's like, hey, and then it's on me and our church together. We say, how, how are we going to use this to advance the kingdom? So be obedient in that. Be obedient in that. So we want to connect with you. Second thing, campfire nights this Friday at 7 p.m. Don't miss that. You want to know when prayer doesn't work? When you stop praying. Do you want to know when prayer is effective? When there's two or three or more. I'm not making that up. Those are facts from an unchanging God. When two or three are gathered, I'm in your midst. There's repetition. There's a, there's a petition in heaven. We want to share in your stories. If you had something great going that week, let us celebrate with you. 
That's called encouragement, right? Hey, this is what God brought me through. No, pioneer, I mean, campfire nights are the time to do that. If you're having a rougher week and you're like, I've been in school for 79 hours. I've had to deal with kids all day. My boss is almost the devil incarnate. Like, share that, you know? I've had bosses like that. I've had no one to share it with, though. I didn't have people to share it with. So when I didn't share it, I just grew bitter. <laughs> Do you want to get bitter or better? So don't, don't miss that. Don't miss that. Um, again, on the back, on your way out, everything that I said that's online, there's a physical version of it. There's connect cards. There's um, the flower pots in the back. We, we have that for offering. It's not because we're broke. It's not because we're broke. Again, it's just because we believe that wherever you plant your seed, things grow from there. So if you put a prayer request and put in a flower pot, something can grow from that. When you give your tithe, you put in the flower pot, this grows from that. So let me pray and then you guys will be dismissed. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for being in the room and being with each and every one of us. Don't let this be a word just for Sunday, but let it be a word for each and every day. And Lord God, let us not just be fed on Sunday, but let us go to the, to the table asking to be fed on Monday mornings, Monday afternoons, Monday evenings. Thank you for this time. We could be anywhere else in the world, but you, we are right here wanting you. So be with us. Don't let us leave you at the two double doors, but let us take you with, you, with us everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. Love you guys. See you guys next week. I'm excited. It'll be great. Be there for Campfire Nights. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.